My name is Matt Rappelt, and welcome to a special holiday edition of Midtown Conversations. On this episode, we've got Kamil Ahmed, organizer for Community Fridge KW, a local initiative that provides a 24-7 public repository of food at the Kitchener-Waterloo Market for businesses and residents to donate fresh, untouched food and for anyone to take for free. This initiative has grown into an important resource for KW residents, celebrating its second anniversary back in August and is showing no signs of slowing down. To learn more about the Community Fridge KW, we welcome Kamil Ahmed to the program. Welcome, Kamil. Thanks so much, Matt. Really appreciate it. Really happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much. We're so happy to have uh, have you on here and to learn more about this important initiative. So for starters, can you maybe talk a little bit about what is a community fridge? Yeah, fantastic question to get us started. So a community fridge is a demonstration of what is called mutual aid and mutual aid has existed since time immemorial it's not something we created you know uh, indigenous people all over the world have been practicing mutual aid since the very beginning of community and society and essentially mutual aid boils down to community members neighbors coming together to solve neighborhood issues uh, and not waiting for central authority or waiting for some central figure of power to step in to resolve those issues those are community challenges and it's those neighbors that are stepping up to address them and during COVID, when is when the project started, uh, you know, we saw a huge uptake in mutual aid, whether people were calling it that or not, and simply because it was a time of uh, intense vulnerability in our in our cities and communities, and neighbors stepped up as they have um, always. Uh, to support the work that's needed to be done in their own backyard. So community fridges are one of many demonstrations of mutual aid uh, and one demonstration that specifically gained a lot of attention during the COVID-19 crisis that we're still sort of living in. Um, And that's for various reasons, all the way from, you know, uh, transmission to accessibility to being able to share at any time, uh, not needing a central, you know, building or not needing to manage people. So uh, that's one demonstration. And so we get to be the proud organizers of a community for downtown Kitchener. And you mentioned that it's an idea that sort of gained traction during the COVID-19 pandemic. Is that something that sort of gained traction all over the world? Is it sort of broader than just here in Southern Ontario? Yes, absolutely. I mean, when we were first getting started, we were watching the work of organizers across North America, but specifically Canada. You know, we had our eyes on on cities like Regina and Calgary and Toronto. These were cities and hubs of uh, of both like social activity and care that were already demonstrating mutual aid in various ways. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, really picked up those practices and leaned into them. So when we were getting started, we were watching cities all over the world, specifically Canada, to see how and what they were doing. Um, you know, mutual aid and demonstrations of it, including the community fridge, have existed in, in continents like Europe and and America for quite some time. Um, you know, we've we've known of mutual aid projects existing in lower income neighborhoods and more vulnerable neighborhoods even before the pandemic, simply because those were challenges that they were facing, you know, with or without a pandemic. So. So uh, absolutely um, an uptake all over the world of mutual aid in terms of its ability to invite people in, uh, its ability for community to take ownership. Uh, And it's not a charity model. So it really isn't about someone having power and moving it down to someone who doesn't. It's about a community recognizing that there's various flows of power. Sometimes we have the ability to give and sometimes we 
need to take. Uh, and with that recognition, power flows horizontally in mutual aid as opposed to vertically. And because it's not a charity and because one person or one company or one organization doesn't hold the care in the community, all of the communities invited to step and take ownership of community care. So in that way, it's really easy for communities to adopt adopt mutual aid projects because they can be tailor-made to each each community. It doesn't require a specific person to hold it. It doesn't require a ridiculous amount of money to get started. Uh, and so in those ways, we've seen, we've seen traction all over the world. That's amazing. I love the idea of, you know, those sort of more horizontal power structures as you described there. Can you give us or, or maybe walk us through how that works on a kind of a practical level with Community Fridge? Totally. So we get asked questions pretty regularly about, you know, statistics and metrics of success. You know, people often want to hear like, how many people did you help and how many people who are homeless accessed your service? And, you know, we uphold a very strong commitment to uh, anti-policing, anti-surveillance, anti-data collection. And these are all attempts. These are all things that we do uh, to, to uphold human dignity, human agency and empowerment. And so, with that being said, um, some of the ways that I demonstrate impact is by storytelling, and, and we encounter a lot of stories at the community fridge. So, you know, to tell you a story uh, which answers your question, we often have neighbors who've accessed, let's say, food banks or other food services, you know, um, that don't always have exactly what they're looking for or, or, or they aren't invited to pick exactly what they want. You know, we have people come in and say, hey, I have these canned I have these canned items that I get. I don't know how to work with them. I don't know how to cook or I don't I don't have the ability to cook with them. Um, can I trade them in for some fresh produce? And, you know, our response as organizers is like, hey, you do what you want to do with the fridge. Like if you want to keep those items and take more, that's OK. If you want to leave some items behind and take some, that's totally cool as well. Uh, and so on a day to day, the fridge is open 24 seven for both users and donors to access uh, and users and donors can be the same people as well. So uh, in that story that I shared. Um, and so folks can come by any time. Uh, there's nobody standing there monitoring them. There's nobody asking for identification, nobody asking them how much they're taking or what they're taking it for. You simply open it like the fridge or a pantry in your own kitchen, which is the point and access what you might if you had that pantry and fridge in your own home. Uh, and so um, on a day to day basis, there's a lot of exchange and interaction at the fridge, both from market goers who are dropping off some apples that they just purchased at the market to, you know, our unhoused neighbors who are around the area and are stopping by here and there to grab a grab a snack or grab a hot meal. Um, so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so it, for, for me, it seems like you're almost uh, you're removing that sense of ownership, right? You're removing that sense of like, or I should say extending that sense of ownership, um, extending it to um, so it's not just owned by the group who is running the project, but it's really sort of a sense of ownership within the community at large. Would that kind of be correct? That's absolutely right on the money. <clears throat> and uh and we talk about ownership pretty regularly in mutual aid, especially in our project, because from, from day one, this project was supposed to be taken and given to the hands of community. And we know that that can't happen unless the community had a chance to build it. Uh, and so from the very beginning, you know, when we were at Zero Waste Bulk and the fridge was inside, when we first got started, it was a very much so open call to community to say, hey, we have this idea. What do you think about it? And how can you help us make this happen? We've always been the holders of some of the grunt work uh, because you need a lot of grunt work and labor to make uh, community organizing possible, especially sustainable community organizing possible. And at the same time, at every step along the way, we've asked ourselves, like, is this a task or is this a piece that we need to hold or is this a 
task or a piece that we can invite community to co-hold with us. Uh, so when we built that shelter that the fridge currently lives in when we were first moving outdoors, you know, that was a very uh, profound experience of ownership because we could have decided that we're going to just build this shelter and take care of it ourselves. And once it's ready, we'll take it to community. That would have taken months for a group of, you know, a handful of volunteers who are working off the side of the side of their desk to make that happen. But we were able to make it happen in two and a half weeks because we said very openly to community that we're going to build this on someone's driveway. If you're around, please come out. We need wood. We need hammers. We need tools. People came, came by, you know, it was during a pandemic. We all had our masks on but people came by with coffee to keep the volunteers going you know we had organizations and businesses who had closed reaching out to donate pallet wood that we used to build the shelter we had people reaching out you know to with a fridge to, to put put inside the shelter uh, home hardware offering us free hardware and you know come out and take what you need to build this project so really the epitome of, of a village coming together to make something happen um, and that's what that's what we talk about ownership. So when you say you extending ownership as opposed to eliminating it, that's right on the money um, because we feel two years into this project that both users, donors, witnesses, people walking by, um, anybody in the community who has experienced or interacted with the fridge is a co-owner of it. And you mentioned, I mean, that's an absolutely incredible. It's such an inspiring project and such a great, valuable resource to the community. And you mentioned that you did celebrate your second anniversary with the Community Fridge. Um, how has the project grown since its inception? And has there been any sort of surprises along the way? Um, anything that sort of took on a mind of its own? Yeah, um, everything. I want to say everything took on a mind of its own. I, I think one of the pieces that... Um, is most resonant or most loud when we think about the change that's happened over the two years is truly the relationship with community. You know, when we first opened up uh, and invited community to access the fridge, there was a lot of hesitation. There was a lot of, okay, but why? Okay, how is this possible? Who's going to fill the fridge? Are you sure I can take whatever I want? And, you know, folks accessing the fridge and behaving in ways that had become conditioned in people because of how we've accessed social supports in the past. So, you know, volunteers cleaning the fridge and and encountering neighbors accessing the food in the fridge and have and you know hearing them like explain why they were taking so much when we didn't ask and you know those were small symptoms of of existing trauma and existing hardships that folks have gone through where they had felt the need in the past to explain why they needed this food and you know we were like oh I, I almost don't want to know right like we want to hear your stories but I almost don't want to know what why you're taking this food because that would be an act of policing that we are not going to commit ourselves to so um yeah, the and now when you come to the fridge, uh, two years later, there is a there is a comfort and a and a confidence that the fridge will always be there. That it's for me. That my own neighbors will fill that fridge. Nobody else will be. You know, if I don't clean it up, it's going to be a dirty fridge. Um, it's it's just profound the relationship that community has with this project now, uh, and it's incredible that a couple people who had just graduated school with a Gmail email address are able to build something uh, with community. Um, so that community feels like they own it. So that would be a big shift, I think, in the two years that that community really feels like they own this project in all of its ways, not just, you know, we have to fill it, but also it's there for me to access when I need food. Um, and, you know, when you ask about things that have, are surprising or have taken a mind of their own, the reason I say everything is because every day at the fridge is a new day that you can anticipate. This isn't a charity that opens at 9 a.m. and closes at 4 p.m. and is staffed and has operations and people taking care of different roles. This is a 24-7 community project that's there all the time. Um, and so everything takes a mind of its own. When I 
uh, all the way from, you know, uh, some of the difficult conversations we have to have have around the fridge, around policing and neighbors policing each other and, you know, coming to the fridge and not finding anything in it when you're starving and then feeling angry at the folks that did get access to some food. You know, what is what does that look like? Those are conversations that take a mind of their own because they are connected deeply and intimately with people's needs. Um, and because this project centers so much on people's needs, that's why everything takes a mind of its own, because everybody's needs have, have a mind of their own. So, um, you know, uh, another example that comes to mind of, uh, of a situation that's taken a mind of its own is like our engagement with volunteers. You know, when we first started this project, it was right slap down in the middle of a pandemic. And there was something in the air about solidarity uh, and, and, and issues in your own backyard and stepping up to help. We were all witnessing the same thing at the same time. And there's a lot of solidarity in that. So there was a lot of excitement about volunteering and getting involved. And as we've sort of returned to ways of norm normality, I guess, or, or whatever that means anymore, we've seen volunteer engagement, you know, ebb and flow uh, because people are returning to their own lives, which are filled with privilege or whatever it may be. So that's another thing that's taken a mind of its own, like volunteer engagement. So super excited for anybody who's listening out there who might have some time, um, whether it's once a week or once a month or even once a year uh, to spare to support this project. Because, you know, if all of us do a very small amount, then the project continues to do the work and continues to operate in community. So those are a couple of things that have shifted as, as we've continued to do this work. And the last thing I'll mention just as a plug is, you know, we've done work specifically in food security. When we talk about food security, we're talking about food access and we're talking about people's ability to get food when they need it. There's a whole other domain sitting next to it called food sovereignty, which is a conversation about people's ability to grow their own food and to be able to own their own food as opposed to just accessing it. So uh, this coming spring, we're super excited to be working with our hosts at the Kitchener Market to actually start growing food around the fridge uh, in partnership with communities. So people who are looking to learn how to how to grow food and how to work with food will have an opportunity to be mentored by folks who know how to do this work locally. Uh, and together, this volunteer community is going to step us into food sovereignty. Uh, and and hopefully next, you know, this time next year, folks will be will know that they can come by the fridge and pick something, uh, not just access something. Wow, incredible. And definitely at that point, feel free to reach out and come back on the station. We'd love to hear about how this project has grown after its third anniversary. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about uh, about the inception of the project here in KW. And we talked a bit about um, you know how it kind of had its genesis in COVID-19. Um, but also, I know that there's so many um, businesses and, and uh, community members who have um, you know supported the project. Um, did you start it with zero waste bulk was sort of the, the initial home of Community Fridge KW? And then I, I know that there's a couple other businesses that were involved in the launch of it as well. Yeah, that's a great question. We'd love to, you know, honor the folks that have helped make this work possible and continue to make this work possible. Uh, so when we got started in August of 2020, we reached out like cold to a bunch of local organizations as these two fresh out of school, nobody knows them students uh, with this idea to do this work. And Zero Waste Bulk, you know, was the only, only organization and our small business that said, we hear what you're trying to do and we want to help you do it. You know, a lot of other people had interest, but it was a hard time. It was a hard time for our business community. It was a hard time for individuals, um, let alone businesses. So, uh, we really appreciated that they stepped up and gave us space inside their inside their you know grocery store. Um, and that was our pilot. So we started and we committed to doing that for a short amount of time so we could see how it went because 
you know, that location was inside. Um, it was working directly with, you know, business staff. And, and those are all things that we learned about in terms of what the community needs to be able to access. We learned that the fridge needed to be outside. It, it can't have been limited by business hours. We couldn't burden, you know, business staff with with uh, the responsibility of cleaning the fridge or whatever. So um, that's when we first started with with um, Zero Waste Bulk, incredible people, and we're going to miss them from our community. Um, and then uh, we knew that we needed to move outdoors. And so we did another call. And at that point, we had built relationships with community for four, four to six months. And Full Circle Foods, an incredible, another sustainable grocery retailer, uh, you know, beloved in the downtown Kitchener, we, uh, accepted our offer and said, absolutely. And Sam Nabi was fantastic uh, in allowing us to have an outdoor location behind the old Full Circle Foods location on Charles. That's when we built the wooden shelter. That's when we invited community in the middle of a pandemic to co-create this project. And so in November of 2020, I want to say we opened our first outdoor location at Full Circle Foods. And that was a fantastic run, I think, for just under a year. And the only reason we moved from Full Circle Foods was because Full Circle decided to move uh, to a new location and their new location didn't have room for a fridge. They're on the King Street strip. Uh, and so that was a, a a very exciting time for us as organizers because we were almost prompted into doing some growing. Um, and we had the incredible opportunity to take mutual aid to a municipal level uh, by working with the Kitchener Market. And the Kitchener Market is a mecca for food, for food locally. Uh, and it made just perfectly good sense based on the location, its access to food, uh, and its proximity to the downtown core to be there. And to also take mutual aid to this municipal level makes us city, makes us partners to the city of Kitchener, which is just incredible uh, what, we, what we've been able to do since. And then throughout that, they've been you know, a number of businesses and organizations that have had their hands on this project and supported it with love. Uh, and that includes like the businesses and suppliers and producers that we build relationships with to keep the fridge filled, uh, keep the fridge filled because we are one of the only mutual aid community fridge projects across the country that actually don't spend money to fill the fridge. And that's wow. part of our twofold commitment to both, you know, food insecurity as well as local food waste, but also you know, we didn't want to have any any signs or symptoms of a charity. And if we continue to fill the fridge, then that's power moving vertically. You know, someone's got it and someone's giving it to someone who doesn't. This is a sincere and authentic demonstration of mutual aid and that neighbors are caring for neighbors uh, however they can. So, uh, you know, we've had incredible businesses like Fenning's Organic Farm and um, Food Fund Canada. Uh, these are like, you know, big suppliers who have offered us so much incredible fresh produce that has fed so many people to small businesses like Ace Shawarma and Ghostlight Cafe. And I know the list goes on of people who drop food off regularly, whether that's hot food or, you know, dry goods or fresh produce. And then when we recently moved to the Kitchener Market, like I mentioned, we had the ability to expand our, our space a bit. So we added a pantry unit, uh, which was generously donated to us by Landback Camp. Uh, and that pantry um, actually has enabled us to host and house uh, other items that are of critical need, like menstrual products. Uh, we know how expensive those things are in the grocery store, and we know how inaccessible they are, uh, as well as how hard they are to find in other social support services. So we're proudly, like, you know, always hosting menstrual products in the pantry uh, and dry goods and essential items when the pandemic was real bad. Like, it was exciting to have hand sanitizer and masks in the pantry so that anybody could take them at any time. Um, so, yeah, a lot of love for local businesses who've made this work possible, uh, specifically to the hosts that have, have hosted us, including Zero Waste Bulk, Full Circle Foods, and now the Kitchener Market. 
Absolutely. I mean, just we're so lucky to have such great initiatives like Community Fridge KW and just also businesses and organizations um, that are committed to working together to, uh, you know, kind of facilitate these amazing ideas here. Now, we only have a couple minutes left, uh, Kamil, and I do want to talk a little bit about this idea of centralized versus decentralized action, because it seems like something that you are super passionate about and that really is at the heart of Community Fridge KW. Um, why is it so important to have decentralized initiatives um, such as Community Fridge KW and and others, you mentioned Land Back Camp, and you know we have a, a fair number of organizations um, or initiatives like that in in our, our region. Why is that so important to our community, and what do we gain from having those decentralized uh, initiatives? Yeah, thanks, Matt. That's a fantastic question that no other reporter or interviewer has asked us before. So thank you for that. Um, we talk a lot about decentralized action and decentralized care versus centralized care. And I think I've spoken to a lot of it in this interview. And so to sort of emphasize those pieces, you know, we wanted this project to outlive us. We wanted this work to outlive our commitment to it. Uh, we see very regularly across the world, you know, young people who are excited and passionate and start a project. And, uh, you know, um, for whatever reason, when the time comes for those young people to step away or move into other ways of being, that project dies. And, and those were there were real people who were experiencing real hardship that were waiting, that were on the other side, you know, accessing that service, and it stops abruptly. That's a source of pain. That's a source of trauma, uh, and something that we recognized early on. So when we talk about decentralized action, that's that's a huge piece of it: sustainability uh, and a commitment to community that like. We want to do this work, but we don't want to do it for us. We don't want to do it because of our pride or ego. We don't want to do it to put our name somewhere. We want to do it because we know that that's the right thing to do. And that's what our community needs. So decentralized care is, you know, breaking up that house and creating a hundred more entrances into it so that anybody, whether they're in a wheelchair, whether they're, you know, too tall for the other door, whether they're too big for the other door, everybody has an opportunity to come into this house and, and access it and be a part of creating it and building it. So uh, decentralized care is, like you said, at the heart of the work of Community Fridge KW and so many other grassroots initiatives in our community. And I think that's interesting that you raised that, that it's characteristic of our region. And I think, and I think I'd like to believe that that's because there's a lot, there's a lot of, of humanity and understanding of real lived experiences in our community and a recognition that there is an urgency to all of this. This is not something that we are asking for to happen three generations down. This is something we're asking for to have happened three generations ago. And mm -hmm. so there is a real urgency in the space that we recognize as grassroots organizers. And yes, we will delegate to council and yes, we will try and uh, we will vote correctly and we will try and get people out to engage in, you know, uh, governance and government in that way and at the same time we will not wait for another four years until another round of elections for false promises that don't come to be uh, and so neighbors are being invited to step into this work so decentralized care is really about neighbors looking left right front and back and saying hey it's up to us uh, to handle this challenge and and so let's let's all hold a small piece of it so that we can continue to walk walk alongside our neighbors who are vulnerable and need our support so um and also, if I may add, a decentralized care um, is inviting people who are looking for that care to access it a lot easier as well. You know, they're not being invited to come at a certain time or meet with a certain person or meet a certain parameter. It's like care is all over the region and you reach out to any one of our volunteers, whether they're connected, um, you know, deeply or not. They understand the work that's happening and they will come back and find someone. You know, we have people who reach out to us uh, looking like they just moved to the region and they're newcomers. and 
yes, they're looking for food, but they're also looking for connections and furniture. And while those aren't things that we can offer like through the fridge directly, because this work is so decentralized and because this work is connected to people all over the region, I'm able to call someone, you know, and say, hey, do you have a couch or tweet and look for furniture as I've done before? And, you know, in a matter of minutes, we're able to collect enough things to you know, fill this person's new house. So small examples with big impact as to why decentralized care uh, means so much to this community. Uh, Beautifully said, Kamil. And thank you again so much for coming on Midtown Radio and for sharing all about Community Fridge KW and for talking about the importance of decentralized care in our community. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, So you mentioned that Community Fridge KW is always looking for volunteers. Give your plug how can people get involved in this great initiative? Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So like I said, the fridge is open 24-7. So we are ready to accept volunteers 24-7. Uh, there's a few key operations that we do, like you know daily check-ins to keep the fridge clean and food rescues. So we pick up food from people who are looking to donate it but can't come to the fridge themselves. We deliver food hampers to folks who are you know uh, experiencing adversity and can't come to the fridge themselves either. Uh, And then there's a lot of other moving pieces all the way from marketing and partnership outreach and and so on and so forth. So if you're looking to get involved, whether you have an hour to spare or several hours to spare, whether you have a car to offer and your ability to drive or another gift or skill you have, please reach out to us um, on Instagram or Facebook or email Community Fridge KW on all of those. Um, and we'd be happy to have a conversation with it about with you about what you'd like to give and also about what you'd like to take. Um, so with that, uh, yeah, thank you so much to Midtown and thank you so much to you, Matt, for having this conversation and inviting us onto this platform. Oh, well, we, we so appreciate having you on here. Please come back again soon. We'd love to hear any updates about Community Fridge KW and also support however we can on the station. Uh, Kamil Ahmed, thank you so much for being here and we will chat again soon. Thanks so much, eh? Happy holidays, everybody.